This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And welcome to Amazing Grace for another week. I'm Lynette. And I'm Dennis, and it's great to be with you. Yes. So let's start with a short uh, devotional. And I'm sharing from a powerful woman, Corrie-Ten Boone, who at the moment of what we're going to be looking at today, she's actually in the concentration camp in Germany. We were lined up, she says, in the hospital corridor for medical inspection. And aren't we glad that we don't have a medical inspection like this? They were all ordered to remove all their clothes and lay them on the floor at the entrance hall. Never in my life had I felt so wretched, so cold and so humiliated, Corey Ten Boone says. Suddenly I recalled a painting of Jesus on Golgotha. For the first time I realised that Jesus had hung naked upon the cross. How he must have suffered. He, God's son, whose home was heaven. And all that suffering he bore for me. That I might someday go to heaven. My soul became calm within me. I felt that strength was given me to go on. I prayed, O Saviour, you did suffer for me on Calvary. I thank you for it. Help me now to bear this present experience. Give me strength. And she also says in another section of this book, which is a, a a great little book. It's called Prayers and Promises for Every Day by Corey Ten Boone. God's Word in Our Lives. Praying is bringing to the Lord everything that troubles and distresses us. Everything. It means leaving our burden of cares with Him and going on without it. She says, That day I had been very stupid. I'd gathered up all my cares and after prayer, The burden had seemed twice as heavy as it had before. And so I prayed, Lord, teach me to cast all my burdens upon you and go on without them. Only your Spirit can teach me that lesson. Give me your Spirit, O Lord, and I shall have faith. Such faith that I shall no longer carry a load of care. Let's pray. 
Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your invitation to cast all our cares upon you because you care for us. We ask your blessing on this radio program. We ask that you'll be with those who listen. Lord, help us to learn the lesson of giving our cares to you. You are big enough to carry them and so that we don't have to. In your name, Amen. Now we're going to have a song, I believe it's by Keith Green, and let's see what it is.
Yes, learning to trust in God. And uh, no, it wasn't um, Keith Green, was it? It was David Meese, but a powerful singer and a very powerful um, personal testimony that man has. Right, so now we're going to share our health tip for the week. And remember, we've been looking at the book Live More Happy by Dr. Darren Morton. And it's interesting, I was just sharing with a friend this morning about... um, sleep and she was saying how she's having real problems with sleep and I think a lot of us do and so we've been looking at a chapter called rest to feel your best and we're up to tips for sleeping better considered a father of sleep research Dr William Dement writes in the opening page of his book, The Promise of Sleep, After all the research I've done on sleep problems over the past four decades, my most significant finding is that ignorance is the worst sleep disorder of them all. People lack the most basic information about how to manage their sleep, leading to a huge amount of unnecessary suffering. So here are some tips, he says, from the National Institutes of Health. Get the light right. Avoid bright, especially blue, light at night. Two, be active in the morning light. We have learned that both morning light and exercise are great for improving sleep. Why not combine the two, if you can, for a double bonus? And three, stick to a sleep schedule. Go to bed and wake up at much the same time each day, if you can, even on weekends. Keeping a regular sleep-wake cycle helps our bio-clock, and we looked at that um, Word last week, short for S-N-S-C-N, and let's have a go at saying it, suprachiasmatic nucleus, S-C-N, which is the bio clock, um, to get a good routine. So keeping a regular sleep-wake cycle helps our bio clock to get a good routine of knowing when to make us feel sleepy and when to make us feel awake. And four, avoid things that keep you up. There are a lot of things that can keep us up at night and make it hard to fall asleep. As we have already seen, caffeine is clearly one of them. Exercising and eating too late in the evening can also have stimulating effects on some people. Contrary to popular thought, alcoholic drinks are not helpful for getting good sleep. While a nightcap might help you fall asleep, the alcohol gives you in the lighter stages of sleep. So the sleep you get is not as good quality. So I'll just read that again. While a nightcap might help you fall asleep, the alcohol keeps you in the lighter stages of sleep, so the sleep you get is not as good quality. Daytime naps have been shown to be highly beneficial, even if only 10 minutes in duration. 
but longer than 30 minutes can interfere with our sleep-wake cycle and make it more difficult to fall asleep, especially if they occur later in the afternoon or evening. Finally, many people today suffer from a condition referred to as FOMO, fear of missing out, which we mentioned in Chapter 5, he says. They find it difficult to drag themselves away from the internet, social media and television for fear of what they might miss. If that is you, I promise that it will still be there in the morning. So go to bed, says the doctor. And number five point, make your sleep environment the most relaxing place on the planet. Everything about our sleeping space should be relaxing. After all, we spend about one third of our life there. Make sure your bed is comfortable and do what you can to make it a dark and quiet place. And before you get into bed, take time to relax. Whether it is reading a book, not on a screen, listening to music or having a bath. Sleep is so important for our health and well-being that we can't afford not to make it a priority. If you struggle to get enough quality sleep, take measures to remedy it. Try the strategies that we've shared, he says, and if they are not helpful, talk with your healthcare provider. So putting it into action, TIB8. TIB8 stands for Time in Bed, and the 8 refers to 8 hours. This week, endeavour to spend 8 hours in bed each night. You don't have to be sleeping, you can read or whatever, as long as it does not involve a screen. But endeavour to be in bed for a full eight hours. Of course, you can get up for bathroom visits. Take notice of how prioritising time in bed makes you feel. And number two, night by firelight. Switch off all electric lights for a night, except in the case of emergency. Ideally find somewhere safe and legal that you can have a campfire and sit around it with friends. That sounds real nice, doesn't it? And maybe you can have it in your lounge if you've got like a log fire like we have, which is in, has a door and we close it, but you can see the flames and the wood burning. So... Invite your friends around. If you can't enjoy a campfire, then light candles in your home is another suggestion. Take note of how the mood changes by firelight. And that's our um, thoughts from Dr. Darren Morton this week um, about rest to feel your best. Alrighty, now we're going to have the song by Keith Green. I shall not want 
Shepherd, I shall not want straight out of Psalms. And now, Dennis is going to share with us on the book of Revelation. Thank you, Dennis. Right, yes. Well, it's great to be here and uh, share a wee bit more about the, um, the wonderful book, the Bible. Um, I've been reading it since uh, I'm 70 soon, and I've been reading it since I was 23 when I became a Christian. Um, never read a book, not one book at school, always dodge them. But um, I have found that the more you read the Bible, the more interest that you have in it and the more beauty you see. 
and it's just amazing. And we've been, I've been going through the book of Revelation, just sharing a few thoughts, and um, a lot of people find the book of Revelation very hard to be understood, but um, there's a lot of things in there that um, can be understood. And we were up to uh, chapter 11, and we got to um, <coughs> verse 7 last time, um, so just to give a bit of setting for those that may or may not have heard, um, so in the book of Revelation, you've got, you've got seven churches, seven seals, seven trumpets, and then seven plagues. And the sixth one, the sixth one of every one of them is, is the uh, final crisis. So in, in chapter nine, um, <coughs> chapter nine, uh, I was just going to get the verse, verse thirteen, um, to just about the end of chapter eleven. Here we have the final crisis. In chapter ten, in chapter ten, we have um, this mighty angel, and it's it's come down. And um, he cries with a loud voice. It's full of symbolism. And um, he says there's going to be no more delay. And it says the mystery of God is is finished. Now, we were sharing how the mystery, the mystery of God is the gospel. It's foolishness to those that don't believe. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. And then we're told to take this little book that was in the angel's hand and they were to eat it, and uh, it would be lovely in their mouth, sweet in their mouth, and bitter in their stomach. And they were told to prophesy again. Prophesying in the Bible means preach, share the message. And then we have um, Revelation eleven, and then we have um, we have all these symbols about a witnessing church. Um, there's two witnesses here, and you've got different symbols relating to the uh, the temple. And God gives power to these two witnesses. One's like Elijah, he calls fire down from heaven, and the other turns water into blood like Moses. And they prophesy for 1260 um, days, and um, they have to do it in sackcloth. Now, we've got to have a break, and we'll come back. If you're enjoying this podcast in Manawatu, you could make your very own, just like this one. NPR exists to help people like you tell your story or share your passion on air and online. Check out npr.nz for more information. Right, um, welcome back after our break. And... We were talking um, before the break about uh, the two witnesses and they had power and <clears throat> they, they had power to shut up. Um, sh- in verse 6, they had power to shut the heavens. No rain falls. That's like Elijah. And they had power to turn the water into blood. That's like Moses when he did all those amazing miracles or God did them through him. And, and then we get up to um, chapter chapter I mean chapter eleven verse seven. So 
this is talking about the final crisis. This is talking about the final message that goes to the world. And um, God gives power to his witnesses. Now, Lynette, could you read that? Could you read that? Verses 7 down to 10 now, please. Right, so I'm reading from the New King James Version. And I'm reading Revelation 11, 7 to 10. Mm. When they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them and kill them, and their bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Then those from the peoples, tribes, tongues and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days and not allow their dead bodies to be put into graves. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them, make merry and send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. That's pretty deep. Okay. Right. Yes, so I hope you understand all that. Um, It seems complicated, doesn't it? But it's when you understand the symbols that makes a lot more sense. Now, I have mentioned, and I haven't mentioned for a while, but um, if you want to read um, a good series of little booklets, they won't cost you much, um, and um, there's either 12 which go through two chapters at a time, or you can get 24. So a set of 12 or a set of 24. And they take you through the book of Revelation. They make it a lot easier to understand. Because when you understand the symbols, right, um, <clears throat> then then you can understand it. So all you got to do is put into Google Revelation, Hope, Meaning and Purpose. You put that in and you'll see um, these, uh, it'll lead you to these little books. Um, or you can go to www.revelationhope, all one word, dot com. Revelationhope.com. And um, it will lead you. And these little booklets are about uh, 15, 20 pages each. And uh, they take you through um, each uh, chapter of the uh, book of Revelation. Now, <clears throat> remember, the only book that Jesus mentions, a special blessing, well, yeah, the main one is Revelation. Um, blessed is he who reads this book. Jesus did refer to the book of Daniel in Daniel um, 24.15 when you see the abomination of the desolation spoken by Daniel prophet and he said let let the reader understand. So God wants us to understand. So it says here when they finish their testimony the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them and overcome them and kill them right so a beast a beast in revelation this is the first time that it's mentioned a beast um so the bible is its own interpreter now 
Daniel 7, it's hard to understand the book of Revelation without understanding the book of Daniel. And um, in, in Daniel, there is four great beasts, four great beasts, and um, the fourth beast, he has ten horns, and then a little horn comes up. That little horn is the, um, the beast power. But what a beast power is, see verse 17, this is Daniel seven seventeen. it says, Those great beasts, which are four, are four kings that arise out of the earth. And um, what was the other verse here? Um, right, I'm just trying to think of the verse. Um so it says that the fourth beast, this is verse 23, the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom on the earth, which shall be different from the other kingdoms and shall devour the whole earth and trample it and break it in pieces. The ten horns, this is verse 24, and the ten kings who shall rise from that kingdom and another shall rise after him and he shall be different from the first one. Right, so when it says a beast in Revelation, it means a kingdom, right? And if you study uh, Daniel 7, um, I won't tell you because it's better that you study it and you have a look at the characteristics. So um, when you read uh, the book of Daniel, Daniel 2, you have um, this vision that Nebuchadnezzar was king of Babylon. And um, he saw this vision. God gave him what was going to happen in the future. And you have four kingdoms, four kingdoms. Babylon would rule the world. That's the known world. And then the Medes and the Persians, then the Greeks, then the Romans. Right Now, Daniel 7 goes into more detail. It goes over the same ground, but it gives more detail. So <clears throat> the Roman power, after... After the breakup of the Roman Empire, no one conquered Babylon. The Babylonian, no, the barbarian tribes split um, up um, the Roman Empire. And that's what the Bible said. And <clears throat> it says that's how we got um, Europe, Western Europe. And then out of one of those would come this little beast or little horn. And he's the real villain. He's different than the others. And so, anyhow, this beast, he ascends out of the uh, bottomless pit and he makes war against those and kills them. Now, it says there, when they had finished their testimony, so this is God's witnesses, witnesses. Now, this doesn't mean that there's going to be two people at the end of time giving a witness uh, for God. See, what it means is those people who are genuinely God's people and are born again and have the Spirit of God will be witnesses all around this world. It says in the Bible that the glory of God shall cover the whole earth, right? The glory of God. The glory of God is the goodness of God. Because when you look in, um, about in Exodus, when Moses uh, was talking to God and he said, um, I want to see you. I want to see you. And God said, I'll put you in the cliff of the rock and I will, um, I will walk past you and you'll see the goodness of God. So the glory of God. And the glory of God is the goodness of God. 
So there's going to be a revelation of the goodness of God. And the greatest revelation was what Jesus did at the cross because that's the greatest demonstration of love. He did that for you and me so that you and I can be saved. He paid for our sins, paid for our fine. Right, and then... It says, when they had finished their testimony, the beasts ascended out of the bottomless pit, and he makes war against them and overcame them and killed them. Right, And then it talks about their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Right now, I'm just going to read from um, the little brochure that I was talking about, um, which is about 20, uh, 15, 20 pages, and uh, from Revelation, Hope, Purpose, and um, have I got it right? Yes, so Revelation, Hope, Meaning, and Purpose, and I've got session six, and this is a story about the two witnesses. And on page 13, this is what it says. Notice that in verse 7, the two witnesses finish their testimony, which is described in verse 3, as prophesying for 1260 days. The witnesses, um, the testimony, are based on the same Greek word, when they completed their gospel testimony at the end of the 1260 days, they faced the bitter experience of martyrdom. And when Jesus had finished his testimony, he was put to the death, but he rose again and ascended to heaven. So in Revelation um, 11.10 says that the people on the earth were tormented by these two witnesses. Their dead bodies will lie in the streets of the great city. It is a disgrace, especially in those days, for a dead body not to be buried. They now suffer indignation and rejection by the world, even in death. Those who did this um, to them are now described as the great city, which is figuratively called Sodom, known for its immorality, and Egypt was known for Pharaoh's self-sufficiency and refusal to acknowledge the true God. Jerusalem, where Jesus was crucified. What happened to Jesus in Jerusalem now happens to his witnesses. So isn't that interesting? So Revelation 11 <coughs> is really telling us that what happened to Jesus, right? what happened to him is going to happen um, to his faithful witnesses at the end of time. Maybe not all of them, but a lot of them. So if you want to understand last day events, the last days of this earth, look at the last days of Jesus. See, what we see is we see the religious groups got together, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians. They joined together and um, they wanted to get rid of Christ. They hated him. They were jealous of him. That's what the Bible says, jealousy, envy. And they wanted to get rid of Christ. They were the worst villains, but they couldn't do it, so they went to the state. And then the state didn't want to do it, but it did do it, right? So, see, nothing could touch Jesus until his testimony was given. 
So I think last time I mentioned about how Jesus gave the gospel um, and then he endured it. So that's what it is in Matthew 24. He gave the gospel, then he endured it. So he suffered and he died and then he rose to glory. Right? It's the same sequence of the church, and especially at the end of time. So this um, thought about um, dead bodies lie in the streets of the great city, spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, where our Lord was crucified. Now, Jesus wasn't crucified in literal Sodom or Egypt. He was crucified in Jerusalem. But the Jews, they killed God and Jerusalem became like Sodom and Egypt. Right? So by killing God, they became like Sodom and Egypt. And um, But Jesus was resurrected. And um, isn't that wonderful? So we're going to have a break now and have another song and then we'll come back with a bit more. Lord, you have my heart And I will search for yours Jesus, take my life And lead me on Lord, you have my heart And I will search for yours Let me be to you a sacrifice I will praise you, Lord And I will sing of love come down And as you show your face We'll see your glory search for yours Jesus take my life and lead me on Oh Lord you have my heart and I will search for yours Let me be to you a sacrifice And I
back again um, it was a nice quiet song wasn't it um, I'm just going to get my wife to read verse 10 there let's read that so reading again from Revelation um, chapter 11 is that yep, right yep. yep chapter 11 and verse 10 and those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them make merry and send gifts to one another because these Two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. Right. <clears throat> now, did that happen in the experience with Jesus? Um, remember um, Pilate and Herod, they were enemies. But because of the experience they had with Jesus, they became friends. Just let me read from page 13 of this pamphlet, um, which is called Revelation, Hope, Meaning and Purpose. And this is what it says. The inhabitants of the earth celebrated and sent gifts to each other, as happened with the death of Jesus. Um, you can read that in Luke 23, verse 12. Those who are enemies work together in a common cause. Um, the world will unite against them. And they will want to rid the earth of them because of the preaching of the good news about Jesus has tormented them. Now, <clears throat> seems strange, doesn't it, that um, people would be tormented by a message that um, <laughs> that will save them. It's the only thing that can save them, and they're tormented by it because they don't want it. And the only reason people don't come to Christ or come and give their lives to God because, one, it could be ignorance, but mainly, um, especially if a person knows, it's the love of sin. The love of sin, the Bible says. It's sweet. Um, and people enjoy doing what's wrong. That's what the Bible says in a number of places. But it's tragic because sin will kill each of us. It will. Um, we've got to meet God one day. But if we come to Jesus and uh, surrender our lives to him and allow him into our lives, he can uh, make our life uh, radiant. And the best is yet to come. It's like a bright day. It's, um, in Proverbs 4, let me read it to you. It's, it's a wonderful verse. I like this verse. 4 and verse 18. 18. It says, The path of the just is like a shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. Right, that's what reading the Bible is like, my friend. If you spend time reading the Bible, the more you spend, the more you understand the Bible, the more that you will come to enjoy it. Right, now I'm going to get uh, my wife to read um, from verses 11 um, to 14. Thank you, Lynette. Okay. Now... After the three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them, and they stood on their feet, and great fear fell on those who saw them. 
And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud, and the enemies saw them. In the same hour, there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell. In the earthquake, seven thousand people were killed, and the rest were afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. And verse 14. Yes, yes, thank you. The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. Right. Um, <clears throat> thank you for that. So many years ago, um, I was studying um, the Bible um, with this guy. Um, he, um, he was um, a person who was uh, doing tattoos, a married guy, a lovely guy. Um, and he asked me um, to do a study on the book of um, Revelation, chapter eleven, and so I, I, I did. I put a study together, and I, um, and this is what um, saying on these verses: as the witnesses are not two literal people, we need not to think it necessary for a physical res- resurrection, though such a ultimate. Such is ultimately involved. There's going to be a resurrection. The thought here is that of vindication. The symbols of resurrection and ascension are used to convey that. The worst thing that can happen to the saints of God is a brief sleep. Jesus called death a sleep. Um, I quite like sleep, actually. I don't have enough of it. So uh, sleep's not too bad. So what the Bible's saying that, see, if you've got your name written in the book of life, um, sleep is, is not, death is like a sleep. And then when Jesus comes, we're all going to wake up. Um, so it's not that bad, is it? Then comes the morning, God, heaven, and um, <clears throat> there shall be a resurrection. It's interesting um, point that the priests and Pilate, they were fearful of Jesus' resurrection. In the final crisis, um, the voice of the witnesses will be stilled when the task of uh, preaching is completed. The world rejected the message by and, by and large, but many will accept it. But um, the world rejected the message of the church before that time, many individuals, faithful souls, will be martyred. But but there is not grounds for thinking that such will be the fate of the entire church. Um, the three and a half days resembles the time that Noah and his family waited in the ark. Um, Revelation um, eleven thirteen. Let me uh, read that again. It says, In the same hour there was a great earthquake, and the tenth, um, let me, uh, the tenth of the city fell, and, and the earthquake, 7,000 people killed, and the rest were afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. It's talking about judgment, a tenth part. 7,000 are symbols of a perfect judgment. And there's many places in the Bible where it talks about that. In Revelation 13, um, this gives us um, this giving of glory is only a response to the remorse 
but not true repentance. It was like Judas. You remember when Judas came back? Um, <clears throat> he he repented, but he wasn't sorry for sin because he went out. He wasn't genuine. He regret, regret. Um, and <clears throat> he went out and hung himself. So it wasn't, he was sad for the consequences of betraying Jesus, denying Jesus, but um, he wasn't sorry for it. So um, we'll have to leave it there. My wife has told me we've come run out of time. So um, I'll just have to leave it there to next time. So next time we'll talk about um, those last few verses in Revelation 11 and then get into verse, um, I mean, chapter 12. Because the last few verses in Revelation 11 actually s- summarize the rest of the book. So God bless you and until next time. Thank you, Dennis, for throwing some light on some deep subjects there in Revelation, what God has put there for us so that we will be prepared and not asleep. So, yes, I want to let you know about the free giveaways here that we have available. If you would like to check them out, you can email or text us and request the book Steps to Christ, which is a great little book. And also the magazine Signs is a magazine that you will find here locally in Palmerston North at the Takeaways. And this is a magazine that is full of articles on the health and family and issues that we face in life each day. And also... You can contact us if you would like us to pray for you or a friend or a family member on air or off air. And you can contact us for those free giveaways or to give us feedback or make a request, prayer request. You can contact us on 0226815216. Text again 0226815216 or email at info at mpr.nz. So the email address info at mpr.nz. So just before we finish, I will ask um, Dennis to just have our closing prayer. Um, Father in heaven, we, we thank you, Lord, that you are for each of us. You've made each of us. You love us. And uh, we need you, Lord, not only um, because of what you did at Calvary. You, you've died for <clears throat> our sins. We're all sinners, Lord. We all need you. But not only that, we need you moment by moment, even to live a right, um, to love our neighbours, um, to be kind, to be compassionate, to be generous, Lord. I, I love 
Corey Ten Boone, Lord, and her experience and how um, she struggled to give her burdens to you, and she had to even pray for that. Lord, take my burdens. They keep coming back to me. So we need help. We need the grace of God. And I love what Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. So there's hope for every one of us. Um, we just pray for those who are listening, and may you be close to each of them, Lord, and help them know that you are the God that loves them, the God who has made them. Um, may they realize that you are for them, that you've died for them, and that you're preparing a, um, a home for them in the future forever. So, Lord, we just leave ourselves with you and and um, yeah, bless each one, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, from Dennis and myself, here at Amazing Grace, we pray you will grow in that amazing grace of God, that unmerited favour. May the love of the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you until we meet again We on the air. And God bless. And till then, bye for now. If you enjoy this NPR podcast, please consider subscribing. Our podcasts are available on all major podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify, as well as the accessmedia.nz app. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.